Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're going to love her latest selection. And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they suggested. That's us. <laughs> we both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. Uh, you can keep your elves in space operas. Okay. Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked up on her own. Because even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to them, right? I guess we'll see. I think you are right. Ah, do you want to do our spoiler alert early this time? Wow, it'd be super early. I know. Sure. I'll be happy to do that. Um, we assigned ourselves, or I assigned us, I suppose is the more accurate phrasing, um, the novel Exit West by Mohsen Hamid. And we will tell you now that we're going to talk about the whole book, including the ending and any magical twists. If you haven't yet read <laughs> Exit West... And you don't want us to spoil anything for you. Please stop listening now and join us again after you've read it or decided that you aren't going to read it. Well, I figured we'd do the spoiler alert early because occasionally we've forgotten to do it. And then I go back and I listen. I feel really guilty. I know. Because, you know, I you just, don't want to be that person. I don't. I want to be the person who's like, oh, I went and saw that newest movie in the theater and that person died. So Guess you should what? really go see it. It was a great scene. Darth Vader is Luke's father. <sighs> yeah. How dare you spoil I know. that for me. I know. It's not that I've watched it 20 million times already <laughs> and I do know it, but it's nice to think that there could still be some some mystery around that series yeah, no, for me. <sighs> okay, so Exit West. Yes. Mohsen Hamid is a contemporary writer. He was born and currently lives in Lahore, Pakistan, hmm. but he spent a lot of his life in the U.S. and later in the U.K. He went to elementary school in the U.S. and then he went back to Pakistan for high school. And then he went back to the U.S. for college. He's a bit of a globetrotter, that he one. He really is. Yeah. And um, he had the great good luck of being at Princeton, where he studied under Toni Morrison. Oh. And Toni Morrison provided feedback on his very first novel, uh, Moth Smoke. Mm -hmm. His other novels include The Reluctant Fundamentalist, How to Get Filthy Rich in Rising Asia, and the novel that we read, Exit West. So when I was looking around online, because, you know, we always go and poke around and make sure we know right. a little bit about the background, I saw this super cute series of pictures that he had posted somewhere on his website and somewhere with um, uh, an online article that The Guardian had run. Mm -hmm. They were of him and his family yes, as they were going too. back and forth. So cute. Yeah, he was adorable. He was adorable. And I love the idea that as a family, due in part to his father's profession, he was a professor mm -hmm. at Stanford, yep. that they were able to give him all of these life experiences from yeah. such a young age. And it's obviously reflected in his works. Yeah, he yeah. must be very culturally interesting because yeah. he's just lived lots of places and I know. had a lot of experience. He could adopt me. I could I could be part <laughs> of the Hamid family and go with them to Is Mykonos. Is he looking to adopt? Well, I mean, do you ever look? It's just things things create the right moment in time. Okay. So I'm just throwing it out there. I'm willing. Universe, please note, Jessica is willing to be adopted by uh -huh. Hamid Mosi. I am indeed, yes. Um, I just said his name backwards. A little bit, but it's Mosi okay. Hamid. Sorry. Well, um, Papa will forgive you. <laughs> 
So Exit West was published in February of 2017, mm-hmm. and it was on the short list for the Booker Prize that year. And I somehow was under a rock and missed the whole thing. And so when I picked this book up a couple of months ago, I had no preconceptions about it, hadn't heard about it. And after I read it, I was like, oh, this is a great book. And then I saw that it was on the Booker, Booker shortlist, and I was like, oh, it really was a great book. Other people thought so, too. Well, I love that you you were not even influenced by cultural, I was you know, not. literary norms out there. Nope. And you still thought, without that influence, that this was a great read. Well, the only thing that was confusing was I was like, what was I doing in 2017 that I was so <laughs> unaware of what was going on? And I, the only thing I can come up with is that I had this, just between us, this really mean boss. Oh, that's me. Yes. And I suppose that she was working me to the bone yep. and I did not have one spare moment to be cultural. I did all of those things. Okay. Yep. Well, now I'm getting you back. Mm-hmm. And we read the book. We did read the book. I, When I did a little bit of my background research on him, too, the thing that I found the most intriguing was that he had this fantastic upbringing, you know, not knowing his family yet, um, but, you know, going back and forth. And he got his creative writing degree at Princeton. He got a law degree at Harvard. Right. And then he uh, muddled around a little bit in corporate law, decided that wasn't for him. Right. Uh, became uh, a uh, management consultant, and he's still on the books with this company as their official storyteller. Storyteller, I know that's awesome. Yeah, he's just what a a charmed life. Yes, yes, and you know, not knowing the specifics of what it was like growing up in Pakistan when he was there mm-hmm. and moving all that time from the outside, it seems like wow, mm-hmm. that's a rich fodder for books, but also you know, adoption is open. <laughs> So just putting it out there. Well, one of the things I think you and I might have read the same Guardian article because um, one of the uh, things that stuck out at me when I was doing the research was um, he said to his wife or they were discussing whether or not to move back to Pakistan because she's also from Lahore. Hmm. And um, they were living in the U.S. and their kids were young and or maybe they only had one daughter at the time. I don't remember. But anyway – he said, if we don't move back now, we're going to get so influenced by the outside paper and and we are going to think yeah. that it's not safe to move back. Yep. And they really wanted their parents and extended family to know their children. Yep. So they decided that they were going to move back while they still had a lot of pleasant memories mm-hmm. of Pakistan and weren't going to be unduly influenced by um, Western viewpoints. Yeah. Well, and their kids were young enough at that point that they wanted their grandparents to be involved yep. and to have the kind of um, – opportunity for family upbringing that they had had. Yep. So, yeah, he, when I was poking through his other books as well, he's won a lot of awards. He had this whole laundry list on his website of things he's been both winners of and shortlisted on. The one that I am going to mispronounce, but I'm going to say it anyways. Okay. For Exit West, he won the Sitara E. Imtai's which is the Star of Excellent Awards in Pakistan, and it's one of their highest civilian honors for, here's the quotes, meritorious contributions to the security or national interest of Pakistan, world peace, cultural, or other significant endeavors. Lovely. So he's he's very highly acclaimed. So good pick, even if you did not know before you picked it, that it was a good pick. <laughs> I blindly took something and it turned out to be fabulous. Yeah. So as you know, I listen, I don't read. Uh-huh. And he read this book, which I, he, he um, narrated the book, oh, okay. which I sometimes think is a mistake for people who are not um, entertainers. You know, like Stephen Colbert can do his own book because he's an entertainer. And, yeah. and Neil Gaiman has the most magical voice in the land so he can read his own. Or that. Um, <laughs> so I was a little worried when I realized that um, Mr. Hamid 
read the book. Hmm. He did a delightful job. Oh, good. He's clearly not an actor, but his cadence and voice were very nice to listen to, and it felt really authentic. Hmm. So I, if you... If you are on the fence about whether or not to read or listen, I would recommend reading. I well, mean, listening. <laughs> or both. You or know, both. you can go back and forth. I, uh, no one will be surprised by this. I started the book last night. Hmm. Oh, I, wait. We are surprised that you didn't start it this morning. Well, I wanted to make sure I had enough time and I wouldn't run out. And <laughs> I had other things to do this morning. So last night it was. Uh, and I was able to finish the book last night. It, mm-hmm. I sat down for maybe two, two and a half hours. It is a very brief novel, mm-hmm. but it packs a lot into the brevity. And it sounded like that's a trademark of his writing style, mm-hmm. not having read or listened to any of his other ones, but they're all compact. Yeah. He tries to, he, I worked on this quote, where did it go? Um, oh, he said, I take six or seven years to write really small books. <laughs> there is a kind of aesthetic of leanness of brevity mm-hmm. to my writing. I would agree with that. And he wrote in another one, and I don't have the quote directly here, that he would rather write a short book that somebody reads twice than a long one that you only get halfway through. <laughs> That's true. That's about my Some speed. books are so hefty that yeah. you look at them or you look at how many files are in an audio one and you go, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's going to wait. Absolutely. And one of the things that strikes me about this book is that it's not a light read. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an awful lot of sadness in it and um, destruction and despair. But it is written, in my opinion, in a very loving, gentle way. Um, I found the language to be very appealing and the descriptions to be perfect, like just really lovely. Yeah. And I, I think I may have interrupted you partway through with my, don't forget about the spoiler alert. Did we <laughs> did we do the kind of overview of what the book was about already? We have not done an overview. So um, it starts in an unnamed country, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that really appealed to me. Um, it could be anywhere. It's very universal and mm-hmm. anonymous. And two students meet and fall in love, mm-hmm. and she appears to be very... Um, Free-spirited. Yeah, but, well, looks-wise, she appears to be very conservative because she's wearing a conservative dress. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, I'm going to clean this up for radio, (laughs) but she says at some point in the book, I wear this because I don't want men to mess with me. Yep. So it's very intentional on her part. And she, like you said, turns out to be a very free spirit. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the the male character is quite traditional Mm -hmm. and very sweet. And they fall in love, and then their country kind of falls apart Falls apart, mm-hmm. and is overtaken by um, violence, and they find a way out, and they go to a bunch of different countries, and yeah, um, they're in through Gre- these they're doors. In Greece. Yeah, Mykonos. And then they're in London. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then California? Yeah, Ohio? and then they're in Mar- Marin. Marin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is North Bay. Okay. Yeah. And as all of this is happening, his dad dies, his mm-hmm. mom dies, in reverse order. I said them mm-hmm. in the wrong order. Um, and, and her family she's separated from. Yep. And so they are each other's family. And then they realize that they have fallen out of love. And it sounds like a total Debbie Downer book. Like, what is there? <laughs> How could you say this is beautiful? But um, they're still very gentle to each other, mm-hmm. even though they're frustrated with each other. They don't have the patience for each other. They realize that about each about themselves, mm-hmm. and they try very hard to still be loyal and kind. And respectful. And respectful. And then yeah. finally they just look at each other, and they're both so relieved when they realize, you want out too. Okay. 
Yeah. I, we both want out and let's do this in a gentle way. Yeah. So I just thought it was lovely and very, um, even though none of those things has happened to me, they it all made sense. Mm-hmm. And it was said in a way that I could get my head around and think, yeah, okay. Yeah. There were big parts of this story that I liked. Mm-hmm. Overall, I... I was kind of underwhelmed. Yeah. Okay. Which I was surprised by because I did know that this has been shortlisted for the Man Booker <laughs> Award, and so Show I, off. I, I know how dare I, <laughs> um, I was, I went into it thinking I was going to like it more than I, and more than I ended up liking mm-hmm. it, and there were specific things about it that I really appreciated and that I got into a little bit more. But at the end of the book, for me, I ended and I went, oh, okay, I'm oh, done. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that because I will say that I am very frequently frustrated by endings. I feel like if I were to make a sweeping generalization about literature in general, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm really invested in the book, really invested in the story, and then I get to the end and I'm like, really? That's all you got? And I, I feel I wanted super, better from you. Yeah, let yeah. down. And in this one, I wasn't. <clears throat> I felt like that's kind of the only way it could have ended. Oh, no, the ending was fine. Oh, okay. I just, I got to the end and I closed the book and I thought, Okay. I'm going to go eat a cinnamon roll now. I'm I'm good. It was I mean it happened. I read it. Um I um was you telling, finished your assignment. I finished my assignment. I was telling my husband about it this morning cuz mm-hmm. I talked with him a little bit about it so I can gear myself up for the podcast. And he said, "Well, what did you think of the po- what did you think of the books this time?" And I said, "You know, uh, sadly, it was not my favorite." Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how I felt at the end. There were a lot of things that I really really did like. Okay particularly the timeliness and the context of it. That was stunning. It was astonishing that he had finished this book. It seems like he was prescient of Mm -hmm. what was going to happen. So the book is so very much narrowed in on these two people, the only two people that are named in the book. You don't know the name of the father. You don't know any any of their names for a reason because it's these two people who could be anywhere in any place. And it makes you feel such poignant compassion for people who are caught in the crosshairs of a space and a time that they never intended to be in. They don't want to leave their country. They have to leave their country or they're going to die. So the the timeliness of this story, of his writing it and our reading it, thinking about things that are going on in our own nation right now, thinking about things like Brexit, those are all you read that and it makes really strong connections. Absolutely. He he did his timing could not have been any, been any better and it really does make people who have not had the necessity to immigrate look at it with very different eyes I think than yeah. they may be looking at it now. Well, as I was reading it, I kept thinking about um the corollaries between people who are migrants to a new country and people who are transient in their own country, mm. people who are unhoused. Sure. By choice or by not. Right. And the way that we handle our treatment of those communities. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to get political about anything that is right. super inappropriate on a book-related <laughs> podcast. Um, but it just makes you think that, right. you know, differing perspectives should open your mind a little bit. Right. So it was made me sad, but yeah. in a way it was supposed to. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're supposed to feel the compassion. And I, I thought he did a nice job. There are some things that could have been incredibly gruesome and incredibly... Um, just horrific, like when um, the guy that delivers the mushrooms, Yep. He, um, he does a lot of foreshadowing shadowing where he says something like, they couldn't have known it, but 
he would be dead a week later yeah. and his head was decapitated and he yeah. was strung up by a um, shoestring a shoestring and no one had the nerve to get him down so he fell down when the shoestring disintegrated no. and it's all very matter of fact hmm. it's because it's for them. so horrific that he can't tug on your heartstrings because you'd fall apart yep. it would just be so it'd yeah. be too much yeah so he does it in a very um it's it's plain but it's not graphic yep I, so I'm going to bring us back from the gore a little bit. Yes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a quote. Okay. Okay. Listeners, listen to this quote. Okay. <laughs> and the content just at the very end, but just listen to it a little bit. Okay. Okay. Saeed's father then summoned Nadia into his room and spoke to her without Saeed and said that he was entrusting her with his son's life. And she, whom he called daughter, must, like a daughter, not fail him whom she called father, and she must see Saeed through to safety, and he hoped she would one day marry his son and be called mother by his grandchildren, but this was up to them to decide, and all he asked was that she remain by Saeed's side until Saeed was out of danger, and he asked her to promise this to him, and she said that she would promise only if Saeed's father came with them, and he said that he could not, but that they must go. He said it softly, like a prayer, and she sat there with him in silence, and the minutes passed, and in the end she promised... And it was an easy promise to make because she had at that time no thoughts of leaving Saeed. But it was also a difficult one because in making it, she felt she abandoned the old man. And even if he did have siblings and his cousins and might now go to live with them or have them come live with him, they could not protect him as Saeed and Nadia could. And so by making the promise he demanded she was making, it was a sense of killing him. But that is the way of things. For when we migrate, we murder from our lives those we leave behind. So I agree with you that he's got some really excellent phraseology, that last mm -hmm. piece there. But that was one sentence. <laughs> All of that was one sentence. I couldn't even count the number of commas in here. I got so upset about it. This is two pages of one sentence. <laughs> See, that's why I listen. I, I was not hung up on any of that. That happens so frequently. They were, they were, and I had a library book, so I wasn't going to, like, highlight all the commas in there as I went through, but I wanted to, and I needed you to know that. There are so many sections in here where, if you're reading it, I got caught up in his storytelling process yeah, yeah. of – it was not a stream of consciousness, but it was really close to one yeah. between multiple people, and that pulled me out of it. I can – I absolutely – understand that and that's I I totally get you and that may be one of the reasons that I like to listen because I'm may I read you a quote it's <laughs> sure. not long bring it in um it so, can't be as long as mine no no it's not um and it could be multiple sentences I'm not sure because I listened to it so I just transcribed it got it um but I liked this I thought this was just a terrific uh description of a person mm. and this is Tokyo guy so he's this sure. guy who's kind of a bouncer. We don't really even know what he is. He's just yeah. a Tokyo guy. Yeah. Um, and he's drinking a drink in a bar <laughs> that he hasn't paid for, but he's sometime, somehow entitled to, and we don't know how. So the quote is, his eyes were sober, flat despite the drink, and not eyes that attracted the eyes of others. Gazes leapt away from his gaze, as they might among packs of dogs in the wild, in which a hierarchy is set by some sensed quality of violent potential. That's a good one. That's a super powerful quote. And you know exactly. You can totally yep. visualize those eyes. And you've done that before where you've looked at somebody and instinctively looked away even though you don't know why. He does have some really nice turns of phrase in there. I jotted down a couple of myself because, you know, I do that as well. He wrote down – oh, I had a couple of good descriptions here. So at the beginning of the book, before the violence really starts to mm -hmm. take off in their city, they – 
are sitting down and they're, I can't remember if they're about to have dinner or something like that. And it says, the city had yet to experience any major fighting, just some shootings and car bombings, felt in one's chest cavity as a subsonic vibration like those emitted by loudspeakers at a music concert. Yep. Yeah, he's he does. He's got some really excellent little parsed pieces in there. The one that actually spoke to me the most was um, about midpoint in the book, before they leave the first city and they go through this magical gateway door thing. Right. Um, they're still trying to kind of figure out what they are to each other. Like, mm-hmm. where are they going to go? What's going to happen? What's right. going to happen with the dad? And in these just two little sentences, he summed it up for me. And he said, Saeed was certain he was in love. Mm-hmm. Nadia was not certain what exactly she was feeling, but she was certain it had force. Mm-hmm. I just, I loved that. That yeah. was a really spot on way to put yeah. that push and pull. You know, if somebody loves you that much, you want to love them back. But is it just that pull? Right. Or is it actually love? Or is it the circumstances of being in a war-torn nation trying to figure out how to get out, not having any food to eat anymore? Right. Is it the circumstances or is it actually love? Love, right. Yeah. Right. So I like that one. So one of the things I want to hear some of the things that you didn't like, but lest we're sort of getting to the end of our time, and I want to say that if you didn't take the time to look up the photographer that he's talking about, they have a little snippet of – Oh, yeah. Um, cities that um, a photographer has superimposed the starscape mm-hmm. um, and and removed the artificial lighting. And I looked it up, and that is an actual series of photographs. Really? The photographer is French. His name is Thierry Cohen. And the series is called Darkened Cities. And it, they are astonishingly beautiful. So um, if you just do a, a an image search online, I think you will find them. Darkened Cities by Thierry Cohen. I will do that. I have yeah. not done that yet. No, there were lots of pieces here I did like. Like I said, I liked the timeliness of it. I liked the response reaction that you get around the idea of a migrant crisis and mm-hmm. how different communities choose to interact around that. That was lovely. And, you know, the 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 specific storytelling around huge urban centers mm-hmm. and what happens when you have an unexpected influx. Right. This book with the, the magic doors, because in this story, it's not that they're taking a boat or walking over a border crossing, they actually go through kind of a Narnia-like door into a new community. It means there is an immediate and sudden influx of people that you didn't know what you were going to do with as a community. And it forces more potent reactions Mm -hmm. from the community around you. So you got to see different iterations of that. Those were good. The the parts I had problems with were... The commas. The the overabundance of commas. But really... um, so you said the Tokyo Man? Uh-huh. And there were all of these little vignettes that were inserted in there that were, I think, meant to remind you that there were other people beyond Nadia and Saeed finding mm-hmm. these doors and going places. And then it had a different sweep of results for the people that did it. Because if you are on purpose or unintentionally migrating someplace, you don't know what's going to happen when you get right. there. You don't speak the language. You right. won't have any money. And so he's using that to kind of tell that story but they were so short yeah. I don't know who they are I don't know why they're there right it's just kind of a it was a storytelling tool that I didn't connect with and and I actually agree with you on that um you might be surprised to hear that I was not a big fan of the magic doors um <laughs> no I know it's shocking I would never have guessed <laughs> that shocking. um I um I thought it was a nice technique to 
not have to go through all of the transportation yeah. to, that you could just cut to the chase yeah. of from being in one country to another. So mm -hmm. I felt like as a literary device, it was successful. But I didn't really, it didn't add a whole lot to the story. Yeah. Um, and the I found those little vignettes to be more puzzling than anything yes. else. So I'm agree. I'm, yeah, they pulled I'm me from that. it. Yeah. And that's why I said I, I was sadly... Mm, Whelmed. Kinda, yeah, I was whelmed. You were it not was, over, not under. Yeah. Just whelmed. I was whelmed. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I gave it a C. Well, maybe okay. a C. All it's right. okay. I'll take it. Yeah. There were, um, I had this gut visceral reaction. <laughs> there was a moment when they were still in their first community that um, the internet got turned off <laughs> and the wireless. <laughs> right. And so they couldn't connect with it. Right. And I grabbed for my phone. I was like, no, phone, come back to me. And of like, course, I was like, oh, that's like heaven. No, mm -mm, no. That'll be a, I'll find us a different book. We'll, we'll have that as a discussion. That's a whole other podcast. Oh, no, that one hurt me. When I saw that, I thought, oh, how do you live? So yes, that'll be a, that'll be Very a different happily. one. Yes. Well, I want to tell a little bit about our next month's podcast. Is there a chance but... I might have heard of it? You may have heard of it. Okay, go ahead. We're going to read the first Harry Potter book. We're going to read Harry Potter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or if you're British, the Philosopher's Stone. Your choice, whichever version you'd like. Okay. By author J.K. Rowling. She's fabulous. You, if nothing else, will enjoy the person who reads the book because he is extraordinary. Oh, uh, Jim Ooh, yeah, bar is set high. Yes. Jim Dale reads all the Harry Potter books. Okay. He is... This is one of the few series I intentionally listen to. Oh. So, because okay. he, he, for me, is the voice of this story. Lovely. Um, I don't even know that I need to give it a description of what this story is. <laughs> because the, even I've heard of it and I live under a rock. Boy Wizard, <laughs> Trials and Tribulations. Platforms with half something. You see, I knew you, I knew you were into it already. Hmm. So, it's going to be great. We're going to love it. Both of us, all of hmm. us, everyone listening is going to love it. Hmm. And our podcast next month is the first in our second year. This is our 12th podcast. We've been doing this for a whole happy anniversary. year. Happy anniversary. Oh, that's happy Harry Potter Day to you. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. And on that note, thanks for joining us on your Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So join us next month when we will be discussing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer slash Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling. Thank you and keep on reading.